let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, the Lotus and Waterlily Festival is in full bloom over at Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens and will be running until July 22nd, where you can catch the iconic lotuses. And if you ask Cornelia Poku from the Instagram account Black Girls Explore DC, it's one of the best spots in the city. I sat down with Cornelia about what it's like to explore Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens. It's Tuesday, July 18th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. One of my favorite things about D.C. are all the different hidden gems, especially things out in nature. And Cornelia, you recently went to the Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens and had a great experience in there. It's definitely something that everybody tells me, you've got to check it out. You've got to check it out. What's it like? So Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens is stunning. They're, they're telling you to check it out because it really is beautiful. It's lush. There's a lot of people, but it's somehow quiet. There's all this like beautiful nature around you. It's just, you just feel like you're gone, like you've left the city. It's peaceful and it's perfect. I really, I really enjoyed being there, but that's like the high level overview of how great the gardens are. So you said it was peaceful, even though you're in the middle of the city. Like, does it feel like an oasis? Oh, absolutely. So the entrance to the park is in a neighborhood. So you're already kind of off the main roads. It's off 295. So then you get into the neighborhood. It's already pretty chill and quiet. And then you, I drove. So you get out of your car and you walk through this like brush. (laughs) And then it opens up into this beautiful area with the ponds. And it really does feel like you've left a little bit. And also, it's part of the Anacostia River. So you are like right by the river and there's not that much around there in terms of vehicles. Um, So yeah, you really do feel like you've escaped. It is an oasis. So one of the things that I know that it's kind of known for are the water gardens. These, you know, lush looking bodies of water that have lily pads and flowers on them. Yeah, so there are several of them in the main kind of area of the park, and they're separated by these grassy paths. And it really is just this little pond or this little marsh, and then there's a bunch of lilies kind of covering it. I got on my hands and knees, and I got really close to the water, and I could see little wildlife in there. I saw these, like, tadpoles. And I think I saw them hatching. I think that's what I saw. (laughs) But they were so adorable and they like were bumping into each other. It was just so cute. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of those. And even though they kind of look similar from afar, each one kind of has its own little ecosystem happening. I love it. And also if you're watching like 
life being birthed and hatched and stuff there. It sounds like an ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier that you drove. It's such an underrated gem, but I have to say getting there on public transportation does sound a little bit like a nightmare. How do folks get out there? Yeah, the closest metro stop is Deanwood Metro, which is on the Orange Line. But like you said, it's a little bit difficult even from there. It's still about a 15-minute walk after you get off the metro. For me, it is just easier to drive. But yeah, it just depends on what makes sense for you. And the good thing is that the park closes on the early side. So even if it's winter, you're still getting out like a decent time before the sun sets. So you can feel comfortable coming on on foot if that's what you want to do. But yes, Ubers also go there. Ride shares. <laughs> it's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree. That's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. Do you know much about the history of the park? Yeah, so one of the one of the things when you go there is you'll see these wooden posts that have information about the park. And what I learned is that Walter B. Shaw acquired the land. He was a Civil War veteran, not related to Shaw, as in the same Shaw that was a leader of the infantry that is like the Shaw Howard neighborhood, different Shaw. But yeah, so he named it the W.B. Shaw Lily Ponds. He actually was getting a lot of traction. He was bringing plants and also growing wildlife in the vicinity. And then he passed it on to his daughter, who would go on to really help grow the space and and almost bring it to where it is now. There was a time where it was just like a straight up a dumping ground. Like they were just bringing trash and burning it there. But obviously it was um, rescued and restored. But it's actually still going through restorations to this day. So it's been through a lot and there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. But it is, I believe it's 70 acres. I'm mistaken, it's 700 acres. Wow, that's much bigger than I would have thought. I guess in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, a park. But that's that's a substantial piece of, of, of property, you know, 700 acres. Yeah, and it goes so much further than what you can actually even walk on. So when I went in that area where the water gardens are, and then I also went on the boardwalk, it makes you kind of feel like you're walking out directly into the grass of like, cattails and the pond that eventually leads out to the Anacostia River. So it it really it, there's just a lot of stuff and a lot of it we can't walk on because obviously it needs to be preserved. But yeah, it's really big. So you've mentioned the cattails and the flowers. Are there other kinds of wildlife or nature that you saw there that really sticks with you? There are a lot of birds 
And that's something that they are excited about. And they have bird watching sessions and classes. And there's also a photography class and a photography competition. Wow. There's so many things to capture. There are beavers and turtles. I did not see any, um, but I did see a deer. And I told you I saw the tadpoles and um, lots and lots of different species of birds. There are fish. I didn't see any when I went, but uh, I think there's a few dozen species of fish there. So. It does sound like if you're looking to find a little bit of not just peace and relaxation in the city, but also some interaction with wildlife. I guess living in the city, sometimes it feels like you don't get a lot of opportunity to do that. And so it's nice to know that we have this spot for it right here in D.C. Yeah, I completely agree. So I first learned about Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens maybe 10 years ago at this point, I used to be a public school teacher and we went there on a field trip. Right now, I don't think that they're doing group tours, but that was my very first time seeing that. And I had all these young, lower income Black students from Ward 7, and they had never seen that. And it was just incredible just to experience that that wildlife with them. They would kind of, They would like hop and be like, is that a snake? Is that a snake? And there were no (laughs) snakes. There are snakes. I think they're an invasive species there. They did not see any snakes. (laughs) But yeah, it was just really cool for me to experience that with them in this place that feels almost like too much concrete. But to get away from that and then to come back this time I was by myself, didn't have to (laughs) take care of any students. And I wouldn't even call myself a nature person, but I just felt so at peace and so at one with nature and just, yeah, like I got away. I love that. And it sounds like the kids really loved it too. They did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's especially important for black and brown youth, like urban youth. I don't know. I just, I really appreciate that there are folks who are making sure that our little ones get that kind of interaction because it is important. Yeah, I completely agree with you. One of the things that is so important is like we take the kids to the National Mall and the museums, which is great, but we also have all these natural things that are right here in our backyard that they can also experience that maybe feels like, it almost feels rural. So yeah, it's just nice that they do really get the best of both worlds. They get to be in this like incredibly powerful city where they can see historical artifacts that were collected, but also that was cultivated and fostered right here. Yeah, you put that so beautifully. It's like a special encapsulation of what it's like to be in D.C., what it's like to live in the city. Yeah, definitely. So you've mentioned some of the different programs they have available at the gardens. Um, Mm -hmm. Are there any events? Yeah, so actually the water lilies, which are the main attraction, uh, they bloom from May to October, but their peak is July and August. So July is the Lotus and Water Lily Festival, and they're doing even more events than they normally would and really packing everything in. So they this year they have a series called Wilderness, and it's a bunch of like outdoor exercises like Tai Chi and yoga. And then they're also doing live steel and drum performances. There's going to be a canoe tour and like all these other cultural experiences that are happening during this time. And Actually, because of all the festivities, on Saturdays, the hours are extended. So normally it's 8 to 4, but on Saturdays, the hours will be extended from 8 to 8 to help accommodate all the different things that will be going on. So yeah, they and this is all put on by the Friends of the Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens, which is a nonprofit that helps make sure that this community space is well taken care of and enjoyed by the community. And 
yeah, they just do an incredible job with gathering these events and bringing everything together. I love that. It sounds like a place that you could really not just enjoy nature, but Mm -hmm. community, like really connecting with your fellow D.C. residents. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like when I was there and I saw the band playing, the kids would run up and, and pick out the instruments and start dancing. And it wasn't even like you were watching a performance. It was like you were part of a performance. And I think that's what makes it really fun, right? You can go out there on a Saturday with no plans and you will stumble upon something. Uh, I cannot wait to get out there. You're making it sound fantastic. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for honestly hipping me personally to the gardens. I can't wait to go out. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Before you go, here's some quick news. Mayor Muriel Bowser nominated former U.S. Park Police Chief Pamela A. Smith as D.C.'s new Chief of Police. Smith joined the district police in 2022 as its first chief equity officer. The leadership change comes after Robert Conti left the position for the FBI and at a time of rising violent crime rates for the city. If confirmed by the D.C. Council, Smith will be the second woman and the first black woman to permanently run the agency. Also, starting Saturday, there will be a strobing light at bus stations outside Metro Rail stations to alert bus drivers that a train is arriving. When the light goes off, bus drivers will wait up to five minutes for people to make their connection. The pilot program will start at the Greenbelt station for the C2 bus stop, then to other bus stops on lower frequency routes. So no more sprinting for the bus. Meanwhile, a new metro program puts ambassadors in yellow polo shirts on trains and in stations to assist riders. They act as customer service representatives, providing directions and timing updates. Metro hopes that they will increase safety and reassure riders without more police officer presence. And finally, the Purple Line is facing another delay, pushing the project back to 2027. The planned 16-mile light rail from New Carlton to Bethesda has faced multiple delays, causing $148 million in additional costs, despite it already being $3.8 billion over budget. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And if you enjoyed the show, why not tell somebody that you'd love to check out the Lily and Lotus Festival with? And leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter, too. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.